Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully, so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. It's Thursday, March 8th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and I'm joined by Jason Moser from Motley Fool Million Dollar Portfolio and Ron Gross from the Motley Fool's Total Income. Gentlemen, welcome. Hey, hey, hey. hey I got Mac, choked up you? there on Total yeah, Income. Did. I'm just so touched by <laughs> you, you being love here. income. I do love income. Don't we all? We all. Total <laughs> income. I mean, it's not just yeah, income. Not partial income. This, I, is, yeah. this is the whole kit we go, and caboodle. We go all out for, for, for the, you, the member. Well, yeah, I don't think partial income ever quite works for you. <laughs> I think you're much better on total income. Okay, so on today's show, we're going to talk some Costco, one of my favorite subjects, as you know. We'll talk some Kroger. Oh, you're going to have to help me with that. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm seeing it for the future of Kroger. And we'll get into some Amazon and Whole Foods. But guys, let's begin with the big deal of the day. Cigna buying Express Scripts in a $67 billion cash and stock deal. Now, Jason, Cigna is a health insurance company. Express Scripts is the largest pharmacy benefits manager in the U.S. So, that means it negotiates drug benefits for insurance plans and employers. And when you look at this deal, Two very different reactions playing out right now. Cigna's share price down around 9% right now, Express Scripts up around 11%. What gives? Well, yeah, I mean, we see oftentimes when acquisitions are announced, the acquirer stock typically takes a little bit of a hit. The stock of the company being acquired is boosted because of the premium on the deal. And I think a lot of that just boils down to the market is, is telling the acquirer the burden of proof is on you. To make sense of this deal and show us that it's going to work out. I think it's going to work out in this case, probably, because I think we're in an almost full on panic mode at this point in the healthcare industry where consolidation is being seen as really the only way to fully compete in what is a very fast changing but very, very big market space. And I think that these companies are also sort of in the back of their minds trying to figure out exactly how they stave off Amazon from jumping in there and competing in one way or another. For for Express Scripts holders, I think this is probably sort of a lifesaver right here. The stock had not really done a whole heck of a lot over the last five years. The top line has been stuck in limbo. Being a part of Cigna and something bigger probably benefits both companies. I agree with everything you said, Jason. Well, well done. Thank you. Uh, consolidation is definitely the name of the game here, but um, antitrust scrutiny is is really you know a part of this a part of this as well. With you know Cigna and Anthem being blocked, uh, Aetna and Humana being blocked, so it's not a gimme um, as we kind of consolidate and roll up this industry. Um, but these deals will get done over time, and consolidation will continue. And and the trifecta of Amazon, Berkshire, and J.P. Morgan kind of better figure out where they want to play here, because all the all the it's going to be slim pickings out there in terms of if you want to buy something versus just build it. Um, I'm sure there's lots of. Uh, vigorous discussion going on about where they want to go, but a lot of the the good, most obvious uh, acquisitions are, are being made already. Well, let's talk about that trifecta, Jason. We've got this recently announced venture between Amazon's Jeff Bezos, um, Warren Buffett, J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon, and as Ron just mentioned, now this kind of changes the game a bit. Does this make that venture kind of less attractive, or where do you think this leaves them? I, I don't think so. I think uh, from from the perspective of of those three leaders and what they want to do, 
it's less about figuring out how to fix uh, the current state of our healthcare industry and more about starting brand new and building something from the ground up. So I, I don't know that they're going to really look at this sort of landscape today as playing too much into what they're going to try to figure out. Because I mean, they, they've talked before already. They're they're going to try to find a CEO first and foremost for this company for this healthcare venture, and then from there, it, it's going to be a lot of trial and error. So I don't think they're really letting the current landscape play into it because the current landscape. Any way, any which way you cut it, is is kind of broken. And Ron's point about antitrust, I think, is spot on. Now, the one thing I will say in regard to this deal, I think it probably goes through because this this sort of harkens back to United Health Group's deal where they bought Catamaran a few years ago, and that was a big insurer bringing a PBM in there to their to their network, just kind of like this deal is as well. Now, it also is worth noting certainly that Express Scripts is a bigger company than Catamaran was at the time. But but either way, I think the deal probably makes sense because there's not a lot of over. It's a very complimentary sort of joining of two businesses there, but but regardless of what the landscape looks like there, I think that the the, the big three are looking to build something from the ground up. Not really worried about today's state. It, it, we should maybe explain that the um, Department of Justice gets involved from an antitrust perspective when they think uh, a merger and acquisition is going to harm the consumer, when consolidation is going to harm the consumer. If an acquisition or a merger is what we call vertical, where it's a complementary business um, add, adding. On to a business that is somewhat similar but not exact, that typically goes through and is okay. When it's more horizontal, where you have similar businesses combining and that could potentially hurt prices and hurt consumers, that's where the Department of Justice kind of gets nervous. Yep. Okay, well, we will keep an eye on it, guys. Let's move on to Costco, one of my favorite subjects. Costco reporting earnings on Wednesday. Ron, when I look at these numbers, same-store sales up 8.4% for the quarter. That seems pretty strong. Online sales up more than 28%. Renewal rates up to 91%. That's a 1% gain. People ain't leaving Costco. I think we know what's going on at the dinnertime conversation at Max House. So, I hear all that, and I'm like, certainly, the stock is up big today, and yet, shares are down. And when I sift through all this earnings coverage, there seems to be a lot of concern still about Amazon and competition. Yeah, I will answer your question if there was a question in there. Um, after you tell me <laughs> after you tell me what, you what percentage what you of think? your current outfit is Kirkland brand and be honest. Okay, I will be honest and 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 I'm disappointing myself because I'm wearing a Brooks Brothers shirt. Oh, you look so just I've, like your Kirkland shirt. I, I know it's it's still blue, but uh, I've 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 moved away from that. High cotton. Uh, so they're paying you too much. Today today's unusual because I'm wearing I'm wearing Levi's jeans, which is you know really cutting edge. We'll have to cut this part if out. This were 1981. I know. So only my socks today. Only my socks. Right, right, a little bit. Yeah, at least so we got a little something. Bit, a little bit. All right. So to your question, it's a great report. It's one of those times where. I say step back from the stock and just look at the business. Um, and as you mentioned, the metrics are are really strong. And if you owned 100% of this company and it was just your baby, you'd be very pleased with how this quarter went, with sales up almost 11% and net income, excluding a tax benefit, up 22%. E-commerce, which is very very important in this world of Amazon, which you mentioned, up 28.5%. 
um, it's interesting to note that Costco had to bring prices down to compete with Amazon, and that usually can kind of take a smack out of margins, uh, take a whack out of margins. But in this case, Costco has such power to negotiate with suppliers that they were able to mitigate any kind of margin damage there, and and you see that showing up in the net profit. So increase. why the Wall Street reaction? Then? It's it's one of those short term versus long term things. They actually did miss estimates for profit and same store sales. What they missed what analysts thought was going to happen. So when that happens, you miss expectations. The analysts come out and say, "Oh, they didn't do as well as I expected. Therefore, the stock isn't worth actually what I thought because the metrics don't match up with what my my guess was for the year." It's a very short-term way of looking at things, but a very normal Wall Street way of looking at things, not a foolish way where we we take the long F. we go for the right capital F, we go for the long ball here. I'm not pretending there isn't competition here. And for a while, even in the last year, we've been a little bit worried about Costco. But good for them to continue to put up solid numbers. Yeah, I think maybe you want to look at we always talk about Amazon being that that competitor to Costco. And I think Costco is a very well run business, holds a relevant place in the market today. I think though that the market is looking at this from simply the perspective of two membership programs. You've got Amazon Prime and you've got Costco. Which membership do you think is going to be the more powerful and productive one over the course of the next 10, 15, 20 years? Probably most people are going to say it's Prime. And it's not really to to knock Costco's membership at all, because it's a good one. But historically, that relationship was really focused on rock-bottom prices, right? We're going to bring you in there, and we're going to have everything you want, and we're going to give you the lowest price possible. And what Amazon has done so well is is training the consumer to not care as much about rock-bottom prices as perhaps we once did. See, but I disagree. I think Costco is more about value. I mean, yes, they're competing on price, but what I trust Costco, and that's why I will I will pay a premium even for well, Kirkland for their signature brand because at the end of the day, maybe it's not a rock bottom price, but I trust them. The re- so, you, Go ahead. Yeah, so you think Costco has been able to sort of steer away from that? We're going to give it to you the lowest price possible. I think I think in some cases they can. I mean, you can go yeah. in and you can buy high ticket items at Costco, but what you're doing, especially with their Kirkland stuff, but with their other products, is you're saying I trust them enough, and I will I will buy Kirkland. Branded stuff, and I will pay more for it than name branded. Well, stuff. and I think that's good. I mean, I think that's something Costco needs to do because I mean, what we've seen Amazon do over the course of its time in growing out that prime relationship is it's yeah. taken the conversation away from being the lowest price provider, right. and more about giving you fairly competitive prices, but really yeah. um, a great value in the form of time. Right, right we're right. saving you from having to go out to wherever to go get this stuff. So, exactly. Costco is all about. Having you trust them that they will get the best value in there because they need you to keep renewing and paying that member annual membership fee because the vast bulk of their profits come from that membership fee. Yeah, Amazon is more, in my opinion, about the convenience one gets from continuing to be a Prime member, which is obviously very important to them as well. Those those recurring subscription revenues are are essential, but I, I think they're they're promising a different thing to the consumer. You'll get you'll you'll be get fine prices at Amazon, but you. Won't necessarily get the rock bottom, but oh my gosh, the convenience is unbelievable. Having said that, in this world, Amazon is probably the bigger winner, but I don't think it's a winner take all dynamic. I still think there's a place for folks like Costco in the world. The question then becomes what are you going to pay for the stock in a world where they're perhaps not the winner, but still still somewhat relevant? And at 14 times EBITDA right now to what, maybe close to 30 times earnings. 
I'd be a little bit cautious with Costco. Okay, so that plays into my next question. So, over the next five to ten years, is there room for both Amazon and Costco to be market-beating stocks? I would say I would bet against Costco being a market beater, and I just I have a hard time seeing the younger me. generation of consumers finding the value in that subscription. I think what we're going to have to really do is look at ten years going forward. How is Costco going to be able to grow that membership base, and are they going to be able to grow their membership base like Amazon is able to grow theirs? And I just don't think they can for a number of different reasons. We just saw where Amazon is now offering that discounted Prime membership, I think, to citizens who are on Medicare or Medicaid, and so I mean, they're figuring out all sorts of different different levers to pull with that Prime relationship. But there's still a big global opportunity out there where Costco has the global market, not quite as far-reaching as Amazon's. But if you're looking at it in the course of the next ten years, it just Strikes me that Prime is going to be the easier winner. What about, it what about pains that, me to say that that Jason is probably <laughs> right because I too am a big fan of Costco and have been a shareholder for very 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 long time and I will remain one. Um, it might not be a market beater because of right now where the entry point one would be starting from. And as yeah. I mentioned earlier, the stock is 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 you know kind of fairly if not richly priced so to be a market beater from this point forward is not the easiest thing to do if you saw a pullback of 15 or 20% in the stock for for whatever reason whether it was a stock market correction or something specific to the industry yep. and you were able to get at that entry point i would feel much better about it so back to jason's point what gets and keeps millennials um, shopping at costco because right now I'm a, I'm an Amazon shareholder and I'm a Costco shareholder. I love both of them. If I had to pick between memberships, and it pains me to admit this, I would I would go Amazon Prime all day long, and I would let Costco go. But I don't have to pick. But for for millennials, what's going to get them into the Costco door and what's going to keep them? Because I love the treasure hunt, but I get the sense that maybe millennials value convenience yep. over this treasure hunt. Thing. Millennials also don't always have a ton of money. Um, so the value proposition could play in, in okay. there. Um, you know, maybe maybe the job market will have to weaken a little bit for, for value to come back into vogue uh, where millennials will tr- start trying to save a buck rather than just go for the convenience. But your, your, your question is really the answer in that it's it's not an easy battle for them. Yeah, well, I think also it's just the shopping experience alone. I mean, I think when you look at the two, I mean, Amazon obviously you're shopping on your phone oftentimes or your desktop, whereas Costco you're kind of going to the stores. I think it, it from the very beginning on the behavior side of it, Millennials and consumers in generations to come are going to be more in line with with shopping via mobile devices or with with their laptops or whatever. Versus, I think. Driving to the store to go find something. So I think I think right there from the very beginning, it's it's a big tall hurdle to clear. I'm going to give you two words for Costco: free samples. That <laughs> may that may be the answer. I'm not there sure. You go. Still right. working Duly on it. Noted. And guys, before our next story, I want to point out that support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Guys, would you say you're confident? For sure, extremely. Yeah. Well, Rocket Mortgage will give you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple. Jason, the word simple applied to a mortgage process, not something you hear very much. No, not at all, but I I like that. Making it so that you can understand what's going on kind of sounds like what we do. Well, Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLSConsumerAccess.org, number 3030. Okay, guys. Kroger. 
We got to talk Kroger. As it you, is a big as you wolf. Say, love. Shares of Kroger falling on Thursday after the company reporting fourth quarter fourth quarter earnings. Jason, Kroger issuing a disappointing profit outlook for 2018. Shares of Kroger down around 12 percent at the time of our taping here. Is there any hope? <laughs> There's always hope. So dire. We should we should we should point out that when we're talking Kroger, we're also talking Harris Teeter. Kroger sure. owns yeah. Harris Teeter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it it can't come as a shock that guidance for 2018 is going to be somewhat challenged. I mean, the grocery space uh, is evolving very quickly, and and now we have the the competitor there in, in Amazon slash Whole Foods. Uh, is there hope? I mean, I think you're asking the question: Why would I invest in Kroger? Maybe there's hope, maybe there's not. I think the reason why you would invest in Kroger is because this this is such a big market. In 2016, supermarket sales came in at around $670 billion. And data from the Food Marketing Institute shows on the other side of the coin there that it's not a very profitable industry. You know, you're looking at net margins around one, one point one percent. So it's very difficult to Where paint this picture of why you need to be investing in Kroger. But I think one reason might be because of its scale. It is one of the bigger grocery companies. Concepts out there. It does own Harris Teeter, uh, so so there are some positives there. But but yeah, absolutely, the outlook has the market spooked. I'm a Harris Teeter guy, and yeah. you and I, Jason, both uh, like uh, know our way around the kitchen a little bit. And I think Harris Teeter does a great job in terms of. Uh, Offering good produce, good meats, relatively good value. Um, they are they're beefing up their organic space to compete with with those other folks. But as you said, it's such a tight margin business. It's 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 brutal out there. But I will continue week after week to to, it, go to, to my Harris Teeter. Very brutal, and you also have to look at the number one grocer in the space. It's Walmart. Right, I mean Walmart is the leader in in the space here, <laughs> and and they're they're doing a heck of a lot in the grocery side as well. Certainly with with the meal plans and e-commerce and whatnot, it is just a very competitive space. It's not very profitable. And let's talk about the competitive space a bit more because this week, Jason, um, we learned from Amazon's annual report that Amazon has committed to roughly twenty two billion dollars in future. Food purchases as it really tries to bulk up Whole Foods. Um, the fancy term here is unconditional purchase obligations. <laughs> you know, UPOs. Yes, of course. <laughs> You're on the hook. So, what does that mean? Well, normally this was a line item in Amazon's 10K that, that accounted for its its digital media. And so, what we've seen here is that that, that number has gone up uh, exponentially thanks to the Whole Foods acquisition. And that just means they're on the hook for buying a lot of stuff for the grocery segment. And it means that they're investing a lot in that presence and they see uh, some potential growth there. So, that's not a big surprise, right? I mean, Amazon bought Whole Foods because they wanted to get a presence in the grocery segment. But what I do think is going to be more interesting, at least to me, is that at the end of trading today, United Natural Foods is going to release their earnings for the quarter. And I'm going to be very interested to see how they respond to this news, because United Natural Foods, 35% of their sales come from that relationship with Whole Foods. And they are signed on to be a provider to Whole Foods, I think, through 2025 now. So, it could be kind of one of those situations where hey yeah you're now you've got this great partner and you know the Amazon's going to be spending a lot of money with you in volume but man they're going to they're going to be asking a little bit on pricing as well which can certainly play out on the profitability side kind of like those chip companies that are suppliers to Apple it's great 
having Apple as your partner, you're going to sell a lot of chips, but Apple's going to command pricing, which really dings those margins. So, we'll have to get their take on the call here after the market closes today. If you're someone like Kroger, it is so hard to compete against a company that, in any given short period of time, really doesn't care if it's profitable or not, and will do whatever it needs to do to kind of take control of that space. That's brutal to fight against. That is tough. Okay, guys, well, as we wrap up, we get to play my favorite game. It's the completely (laughs) arbitrary desert island question. Now, I know how huh. I think I know how this is going to end up. So we're going to we're going to kind of tweak it a bit. So for the next 5 years, you're on a desert island and we've got four stocks. We've got Cigna, Costco, Amazon, Kroger. I want you to start kicking them off one at a time. What's the first stock you're kicking off? And you've got to hold one of these for 5 years. What are you getting rid so of first? You, what am I getting rid of first? Yeah, you don't like it. You don't Cigna, you don't want Costco, it. Whole, Cigna, Costco, Cigna, Costco, Amazon, Kroger. Oh, I'm kicking Kroger off first. Kroger, yeah. Ron. I got to do it, but I agree. I don't want to agree, but I do. Okay, so now we're down to Cigna, Costco, and Amazon. Where are you going? I am going to kick off Cigna. Oh, I'd do Costco. Interesting. Yeah, okay. that's fair though. It was okay. close. Okay, good. So, Ron. Yeah, what are you keeping? I'm, I've got to keep Amazon. You got to keep Amazon. I, I mean, you know, I traditionally thought of it as a value investor around here, but I've owned Amazon. I will continue to own Amazon. They're they're dominant in so many fields. Probably some we haven't even thought of yet. Even if they relocate, even if they choose for their second <laughs> no, I'm location for the headquarters, your front yard, because it's, it's it's pretty close it to your house, up, right? The proposed site in Maryland is very close to my home, and yes, that that would be dicey. But but as far as the stock goes, I'm in. Okay, Jason. Yeah, I love the health. Care market, I think Cigna's going to do very well, but I've got to agree agree with Ron there. You need Amazon. I mean, this is just the most relevant company of our time. Okay, well, we will leave it. We will leave it there. And um, I should mention that all next week, Market Foolery will be coming to you from South by Southwest in my great state of Texas. Nice. So if you're in the Austin area, we're going to have a listener meetup on Monday, March twelfth. Chris Hill and company will be there. So just email marketfoolery at fool.com and we'll send you all the details. That's a listener meetup Monday, March twelfth. Austin, Texas, South by Southwest. Jason, Ron, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Mac. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.